Today on Bold Steps Weekend, Mark shows us how prayer not only transforms our world, but the world around us. Do you really want to learn to pray in a way that takes your prayer to a whole new level? I believe that you will see some immediate results in your life and changes in your life and when you begin to pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Prayer has the power to transform lives, and today we'll learn about one prayer that has been set apart as the gold standard of prayers. Welcome to the new Bold Steps Weekend Program with Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today we're working our way to the finish line of a three-part message we started in June. And if you've missed the first two messages, you can hear the complete message online at boldstepsweekend.org. Right now, let's turn to the book of Matthew to learn more about this special prayer. You know how I like to pray? I like to pray in concentric circles. When I pray this, before I pray for the world and my neighbors and my family, first of all, I pray for me. I say, come, kingdom of God, to my life. You know why? Because sometimes my attitudes get out of alignment with God. And sometimes my heart needs to come under the submission of his lordship. And sometimes my actions and my mouth and my thoughts aren't under his kingdom rule like they need to be. So I say, come, kingdom of God in my life. Come, rule of God in my life. I want to be under your rule. I want to reflect your lordship in my life fully. And then next I expand the circle a little bit and I say, come, kingdom of God, to my marriage. I want my marriage to reflect you. The relationship between me and my wife, may may our words that we speak and the heart that we have, may there not be uh, barriers or anything that the enemy would raise up, but may our marriage reflect the rule of God in it. And then I pray, come kingdom of God, my family. My children, may they know the power of God in their lives. May their hearts be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Come under conviction when they sin. May they repent quickly. May their hearts not go astray. Come, kingdom of God, to my family. Then I pray, come, kingdom of God, to my church. May our lives be under your lordship, God. May, may, may our lives reflect your goodness and your lordship. May we repent from sin and, and come under the rule of God. May the joy of the Holy Spirit be inside of us. Come, kingdom of God, to my city so that more and more people are coming to the kingdom of light and experiencing God. Come, kingdom of God, to my nation. May the United States of America experience the power of the kingdom of God as life-giving churches plant up as you God, rule over Washington and rule over our uh, government system and rule over the lives of people. Come, God, to this nation, and I pray for our nations. Come, kingdom of God, to the world. You say, well, why are you saying that? Why are you praying that? Because Jesus taught me to pray and declare it. Some of you need to be praying, come kingdom of God to my job and come kingdom of God to my neighborhood. God, establish your rule. There's injustice here. God, come with justice. There's sin here. God, come with conviction. 
Come to my marriage. Come to my family. I invite you, God, to rule and reign. And that's why wherever Jesus went, listen, wherever Jesus went, he healed, he liberated, he taught. Why? Because he was bringing the kingdom of God. Do you ever wonder why Jesus healed people so much? Because ultimately, death and sickness are a result of the fall of man, of sin. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody that's sick is sinned or that every, every sickness is a result of our sin. But generically, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no death and there was no sickness. You, you wouldn't die of cancer. And that's why in heaven there's no cancer. Get this, there's no death. Because why? It's the full manifestation of the kingdom of God. What a place. You say, well, we'll never be like that here on earth. Oh, I know we'll never be like that. It'll never quite be like that because we live in a fallen state. But Jesus taught us to pray, come now. Come, kingdom of God. And ultimately, God will establish his full kingdom and reign um, ultimately on earth. And so that's what we're praying. Come, kingdom of God, to our life. By the way, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and guess what? All the other things will be given to you as well. And Romans 14, 17 says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a physical thing, but of righteousness, of peace, and of joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. So in essence, you're praying, Lord, I want you to be Lord over these areas of my life. I want you to come, and I want you to mess around with my life and mess around with my marriage and my family and my church and my city and the nations. Come and establish and do the work that you want to do. So we've prayed our position. We've prayed our priorities. Now we pray provision. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then what's the next phrase? Give us this day our daily what? Our daily bread. This is about financial provision. You see, bread is symbolic of provision. It's symbolic of of all your financial needs. And uh, in the Jewish culture, you needed bread for yourself, for your family, for your guests, and even to take to the synagogue for ceremonial uh, duties, you had to provide bread. It was called a bread offering. And what Jesus is saying is Jesus basically teaching us to pray for our finances. God, in essence, what you're saying, God, I pray that you would meet my needs, help meet my needs today. Now, and I know from other portions of Scripture that it's not a survival mentality, but it's a mentality that I have enough for myself, enough to give over. I live in overflow. I'm able to provide for my needs. I'm able to give to others. I'm able to bless others. So God I pray that you would allow my job and my finances and my savings to be able to honor you and glorify you, that I will be able to meet my obligations and I will be able to honor you with my finances and overflow to other things. That's what you're praying. And never feel ashamed to pray over your finances. Never be ashamed about that. You say, well, I don't know. I can pray for the children in Africa, but I can't pray for my finances. No, Jesus taught you to pray for your finances. Just remember the priorities. 
First of all, it's our Father out in heaven. Hallowed be your position. Then it's, your, then it's the kingdom of God, and then it's the bread. Don't start with the bread. Some of us, all we do is pray for bread. Remember the other stuff first, but never be afraid to pray for your finances and, and your job situation and the provision for your family that's in the will of God to be able to do that. I heard of a guy that was uh, offered another job and they were going to pay twice his salary and he was a godly man so he was praying about it and really wondering if this is what he should take, if this was really in the will of God. So they were wondering what his decision was going to be and someone asked his son, he said, what's your dad doing? What has he decided? He said, he doesn't know yet, he's praying about it. Well, what about your mom? What's she thinking? She said, she's packing already. So, you know, sometimes we have a different response, but every financial decision we should bring to God and involve God in it. So we have our position. We have our priorities. We learn to ask for our provision. And then, fourthly, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now we're talking about cleansing ourselves and forgiving other people. Now, for years, I used to skip that part of the prayer. You know why? Have you ever thought what you're praying? In essence, what you're praying is, God, forgive me my sins the way that I forgive the people that sin against me. Do you really want that? I mean, you know what you're praying? If I don't forgive my cousin because they, you know, said, gossiped about me and this, God, you don't have to forgive me. If I hold against them, then you can hold against me. Do you realize that you're praying that? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are debtors to us. It's not talking about finances. It's talking about sin, transgressions. Forgive us our transgressions or forgive us our sins. In essence, what we're praying is, God, I want you to forgive me, and I want you to cleanse me, but do it in relationship to the way that I forgive and cleanse others around me. It's a great prayer, though, because Jesus taught us to pray it, and here's the thing. Listen, how can you come before God with a clear conscience and ask that he would forgive you when you have bitterness or resentment or a grudge against someone in your life? You see, your prayer bottlenecks right there. It, it starts sputtering right there. When you say, okay, God, forgive me, forgive me. Remember the parable that Jesus taught? He taught about a guy that forgave a lot, and then the guy that someone owed him a little bit, he went out and started choking him. And he said, that's the way it is with your Heavenly Father. He's forgiven you a lot, and if he's forgiven you a lot, how much more should you forgive people little that they sin against you? When you don't forgive, you sort of bottleneck God's ability to allow you to sense and flow in forgiveness. Now, God always forgives, but you know what? If you do not forgive, then what happens is you don't experience or sense the forgiveness of God in your life. This is the new Bold Steps Weekend, and you're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job. We'll jump back into the second half of today's message in just a moment. Would you like to join a community of listeners who are starting their Monday off with some biblical wisdom from Mark? It's designed to inspire and carry you through your week. Well, let me invite you to sign up for our email devotional. 
The Bold Stepper Weekly is free, and it's delivered right to your inbox each Monday morning. Sign up at boldstepsweekend.org. Now the second half of Mark's message. Once again, here's Mark Job with the rest of today's Bold Steps. So you say, God, in essence, what you're praying is, God, help me keep my relational slate clean. I don't want to come to church. I don't want to live. I don't want to go into the next month having grudge or resentment against someone because it hurts me and hurts my relationship with God. So I want to keep cleansing it. I want to keep wiping it off. Every time you eat, guess what? There's crumbs on the table. What do you do? You clean the table off. Why? Because it gets dirty fast. Right? Hey, your life is that way too. You get hurt easy. And there's crumbs of hurt and resentment and bumps in your life. So guess what? You got to clean it often. Make sure there's no crumbs. Some of you leave globs of old stuff on the table and then you go to eat your new meal on it, spiritually. And you would say, that's nasty. I wouldn't do that at my house. Yeah, but you do it spiritually all the time. You leave undealt with issues and you sit down and put your food right on that nasty stuff that's there. And God is saying, no way, wipe the slate clean. Then he goes on and he leads us to the two last ones, protection. But deliver us from evil. I heard that there was a father that was teaching his three-year-old daughter how to pray the Lord's Prayer, and she had it almost all down, and he said, okay, say it on your own. She went through all, when she got to this part, she said, and forgive us our email. So she got a, a, a little confused there, forgive us our email, but this idea, you say, well, why would I ask, deliver us from evil? Well, here's the thing I want you to understand about God. God never tempts you to do evil. Do you realize that? Because I run into people all the time and say, well, God was tempting me. No, God doesn't tempt you. Tell the person beside you, God doesn't tempt you. Let's just get that straight. Now, God may test you, but he doesn't tempt you. Do you know the difference between a test and a temptation? A temptation allures you to evil. A test is measuring the strength of your faith. There's a difference there. Temptation lures you to do something wrong. God never hangs a carrot of temptation over you, and when you grab it, he says, aha, got another one. That's not God. That's not the way God works. Some of you think that God's like that. He's not that way. God may test the strength of your faith, but he never tempts you to do something evil. In fact, in James chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, it says, God never tempts you to do evil because God is good. But when, when you're tempted, you're tempted by your own lust that work inside of you. You're lured away from the truth and you're enticed and you go down that direction, but it's not God tempting you. It's your own desires inside tempting you. So when you pray, deliver me from evil, you're not saying, God, don't tempt me because he doesn't tempt you. You're saying, God, protect me because I am susceptible to temptation. And I'm easily lured by temptation. Every single person in this auditorium has a weakness. You have a temptation. You say, well, I'm not like him. No, you're not like him, but you have your own temptation. Well, I would, never, I would never look on the internet and look at pornography. I'm not like him. Oh, but, but, but yeah, not that. 
But boy, do you like to get on that phone and gossip. Well, I would never go out and try to get high, and I'm not, I'm not like that. I would never be tempted. They could put all lines of cocaine in front of me, and I wouldn't even be tempted by that. No, you wouldn't. But you're sure tempted to get into fits of jealousy or rage. You see, your temptation is not my temptation, and your temptation to me looks easy to overcome. It's like, you struggle with that? I mean, that's easy. Just say no. Isn't, doesn't other people's temptation look easy to overcome? Like, what's up, what's up with you? Why is it so hard for you to... Why is it so hard for you to say no to that cigarette? I mean, come on. What's this little piece of rolled up thing? Just say no. Rip it up and say, I'm not going to smoke you anymore because you cause lung cancer. That's what I would do, you say. And it seems so easy. But you know what? Your temptation, ugh, it's a lot harder, isn't it? And so we all have weaknesses. And guess what? The enemy knows what your weakness is. He knows your weakness. You think the enemy's going to attack you with things that aren't your weakness? No, he's going to go right at where you're the weakest. And that's where he's going to try to nail you and get you down. And you know what? Sometimes we need to cling to the cross and say, I am so weak. Listen, pride comes before fall. The moment you say, I won't be tempted, I can handle it, guess what? You're ready to fall now. You need to get onto the cross and say, God, I am weak, I fall I, I, besides your grace, it's only your grace, God, that helps me out. If I don't have your help and your grace and your power, I'm doomed. So help me, Lord. Deliver me from evil. Please, God, keep me strong. And I love what it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, chapter 10, verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what's common unto man. Those other people have been tempted the same way. But God is faithful, I love this, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear or handle, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape also that you may endure it. Listen, no one here has a temptation that's greater than your ability to overcome that temptation. With God on your side, that temptation does not exist. God will always make a way out. Are you hearing me? Always. Sometimes we have to be willing to take the way out, though. You see, God provides a way out, but sometimes we like our temptation. We want to hang around and see, watch that temptation. Sometimes the temptation is called the door. Our way out's called the door. Escape. Someone says, well, pastor, I just, you know, with my girlfriend, I really struggle. I'm trying to be strong. I just can't overcome temptation. I, I, how do I overcome it? The door. The door, yeah. Knob, turn, right, open, run. The problem is you don't really want to overcome that temptation because when you're caught up in it, you don't want to run. You want to stay and you want to fulfill the desires of your flesh. 
But the ability to escape is there, and God says, I'll always give you a way out. There's no temptation that's too big for you to handle. I will always give you the ability to escape your temptation. So right now, here's what I know. Right now, this week, you do not have to fall again. And then lastly, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, some of your Bibles may not have this phrase because this phrase is actually not listed in, in, in some of the most ancient manuscripts. So some of the versions like the NIV and so forth don't include that phrase. But whether it's listed or not, it's still a great thing to, to finish with praise unto God. And so I would say the last thing is begin to thank God for who he is, what he's done. Begin to praise God for all his miraculous and powerful things that God has done in your life. Now, here's the challenge I want to leave you as we wrap things up this morning. My question is this. Hey, do you pray like Jesus prayed? Do you really want to learn to pray in a way that takes your prayer to a whole new level? And can I ask you this? Are you willing to take the challenge of saying, I will pray, I will pray the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis? Oh, you say, I can do that. It only takes me 30 seconds. No, no, I'm saying pray the way I taught you today to pray the Lord's Prayer. And if you only get through half of it, fine. Just get through half. But start praying the pattern that God taught you to pray. And I, I believe that you will see some immediate results in your life and changes in your life and when you begin to pray the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Amen. Amen. What a powerful conclusion to this series from author and pastor Mark Job here on Bold Steps Weekend. Well, summer is here, and if you're looking for other ways to catch this program on the go, be sure to download the Moody Radio app or listen to Mark Job in your office on your smart speakers. Just say, hey, Alexa, enable and play Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Bold Steps Weekend is heard all across the country and even in other parts of the world. And these avenues for listening to this weekend program and our sister program would not be possible without the generous financial support of our listening family. With this in mind, we'd like to invite you to partner with us as we set out to reach more people with the bold and authentic love of Jesus this year. You can give your gift online at boldstepsweekend.org or call us at 866-535-5580. Again, that's 866-535-5580. And when you give a gift of any amount, we'll send you our latest Bold Action gift. And here's Mark to tell us more about it. Grace without truth becomes deception. Let me say that again. Grace without truth becomes deception. But the converse is just as real. Truth without grace is crushing and pushes people away towards lies. And that's why I like to recommend Randy Alcorn's book, The Grace and Truth Paradox. Responding with Christ-like balance. It's our bold action gift this month. It's a refreshing read that will help you recalibrate your perspective and revitalize your hope as you focus on tried and true methods for living out the gospel. We'd love to send you a copy with your gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. Once again, it's called Grace and Truth Paradox, Responding with Christ-like Balance. And if you'd like to make a greater impact this year, consider becoming a bold partner. Your monthly gifts will touch the lives of people across this country, and you'll get some pretty exciting extras as well. 
And this book is yours when you call us at 866-535-5580 and give your gift. If it's easier, you can send your donation and request for Randy Elkhorn's book in the mail. Address your envelope to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Once again, that's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And when you reach out today, let us know how we can pray for you and your family this year. Every card, letter, email, social media message we receive is read by Mark and the staff. To connect with us today, just go to boldstepsweekend.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just log into your favorite social media platform and search for Bold Steps Radio. Well, Mark, before we go, you'd like to challenge us to take our prayer lives just a step further. Yeah, you know, I want to challenge you not just to listen about prayer or get a good teaching on prayer. I want to challenge you to pray. Hmm. And especially at this time where our nation is in crisis and people are struggling with health issues and economic issues, there's a lot of people that were formerly closed that may be open right now. And I believe that it's the power of prayer that continues to press through those doors that help us be a bold witness and open up people's hearts. Yes. And so I'm challenging people, Wayne, to say, Let me engage every day in praying through the Lord's Prayer. Not praying the Lord's Prayer, but praying through the Lord's Prayer. I try to do it every day, and my favorite part is, Thy kingdom come, Mm -hmm. thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What great teaching. I'd love to hear from listeners who take this to heart, Mark. Well, on behalf of the entire team at Bold Steps Weekend, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again next weekend when Mark discusses the habits surrounding worship. It's from our series, Habits, Disciplines That Make a Difference, and you will hear it next weekend here on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.